We make our habits, and our habits make us, don't they? We make our habits, and our habits make us. Last week, we talked about getting in the habit of forgiving. This week, we're going to be talking about the habit of putting first things first, our priorities. A lot of times, life presents us with a choice between two really good options. And we often have to choose between the good and the good, don't we? Gertrude Stein was a playwright and poet in the early uh, 1900s. She was also a great art collector. She had a, a huge collection of famous pictures, paintings. Her favorites were these two Picassos that she had. And she was known to have said that if her house were on fire and she could only take one painting, it would be those two. <laughs> a lot of times life presents us with a choice between the good and the good. This morning we're going to be talking about what does it look like to put first things first between two really good things, between God and God's good gifts. A lot of times we get those things out of order and Augustine put it this way, that, that, that sin itself, a lot of times we think of sin as bad behavior, bad stuff. We think of sin as maybe missing the mark. Sometimes people use the uh, image of a bow and arrow that sin is just simply missing the target. But Augustine put it this way, he said, he said that, that sin is getting love out of order. It's just getting love out of order. Disordered loves. And forget, forget the word sin. Just think about what it looks like when you get things out of order in your life. We're going to be talking about first things. And we're going to be talking about first things and looking at first things in, in terms of five key areas of your life. And I, I, want, I want to help make sense of this because when I look at these five areas of life, I, I, I think there's going to be one for each one of you. One of them is going to jump out at you as the one that, that you really need to pay attention to. So, so as we look at these five areas of life, I want you to th think of this image. It's an image I've used before, and I'm going to apply it here. And it, and it goes back to Ecclesiastes 4.6, which, which D.T. read at the beginning of the service. Better is one hand with tranquility than two fists grasping for the wind. I love that. This is one of my axioms in life. It's like in every area of your life, your time, your tribe, the people, the important people around you, the temple, yourself, taking care of yourself, your treasure and your talent, time, tribe, temple, treasure, talent, those five areas of life. Are you receiving life with an open hand or are you, are you grasping for life with two fists? Putting first things first. Getting in the habit of putting first things first in every area of your life is a matter of receiving life with an open hand versus two fists. And we're going we're gonna to delve into what it, what it looks like in each of these areas of life. We're going to bump, bump and run each one of them. So that as you think about your time, the way you spend it, the people, the important people around you and the people that need you, the people that you influence, yourself, taking care of yourself, your, your, 
your, your resources, all the resources of your life, and your, your talent, are you putting first things first? Are you building your empire or are you living a kingdom purpose? From the word of God, Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 25. Therefore I tell you, Jesus says, this is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you for your presence in our life that calls us again and again and again to first things. Help us, Lord, this morning, not only to understand putting first things first, but to know our next step. In Jesus' name, amen. Time. Time is, is an unrenewable resource, right? Let me ask you a question about time. Are you living now or are you always living in the what's next? Drives me crazy when I'm talking to somebody and they're always kind of looking for who they're going to talk to next, right? You ever? It makes you feel really good about yourself, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, I see I'm not very important, so you're going to see who else. You know, so you're, you're talking to somebody and, and they're always looking for what's next. It's kind of a childlike thing, not a childish thing, but a childlike thing to be able to focus on the person in front of you, to be able to, to lock eyes and lives with them and to be able to be in their moment when they're talking. To live in the now is part of what it looks like to put first things first. It's, it's to receive life with, a, with an open hand rather than two fists trying to squeeze as much out of life as you can. It's to live in a place of tranquility and peace and trust. Time. Are you living now or are you always looking for what's next? Some years ago, Beth, my wife Beth, uh, bought a plate 
that says, you are special. And yeah, it's very cheesy, but we like it. It's, it's, a, it's a plate that goes in front of the person who's having a birthday or a celebration or just hit it out of the park or whatever it is, and we just kind of, it shows up in front of them. And it's just a way, it's just our own little, one of our little quirky traditions that we have. Do you have a way of marking time? Traditions do that for us. Traditions help us to live more in the now and, and to really cherish the moments that, that we have day by day by day. You know, people learn this when they're facing a crisis. What, what they have to do is they have to forget about what's next and they have to focus on today. They can't think about tomorrow. They have, to, they have to learn this. And a lot of us have to learn this the hard way. And we have to learn it again and again and again. Life comes to us as a gift on a daily basis. And traditions, traditions help us mark time in such a way that we can more easily value life. So you think about some of the, the traditions we have in this early service. You think, well, this isn't the traditional service. Oh, yes, it is. Every worship service is a traditional service that has met more than once, right? I can see where you are sitting, right? You're sitting in the same place. Many of you are sitting in the same place you've sat before, and even though it's not a pew, that, 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 that seat just kind of, it sucks you back in every week. It's like, I just can't sit somewhere else, you know? We're creatures of habit. We're going to have habits. Are our traditions, the way we're marking time, are they really helping us live more in the now? We said the Lord's Prayer earlier, and maybe you've said it, maybe you've never heard it before, maybe it's your first time here and and you've never heard the Lord's Prayer put that way, but you've said it over and over again. And some of you, maybe you grew up in another tradition where you've said trespasses and you heard us say debts and it's like, you know, sorry, I said the wrong thing. It's okay, it's all right. But, but that's a tradition that we have, and it marks time for us, and it helps us celebrate the now. I, I love this um, passage from one of G.K. Chesterton's books uh, called Orthodoxy and Heretics, an old book, but this beautiful passage about the childlike nature of living in the moment. Because children have a Bounding vitality, he says. Children have a bounding vitality because they're, in spirit, fierce and free. Therefore, they want things repeated. Think of tradition, tradition. You, know, you think of it as a negative thing. Can it be a positive thing to help you live in the now? He goes on, he says, they say, do it again, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony and repetition. They're not strong enough. Isn't that something? But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. God may or may not make every daisy separately, but he has never gotten tired of making them. And then he says this, 
For we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. Think of that. We have sinned and grown old, but our father is younger than we. To be able to exult in the moment, to drink life fully in, not to be scanning for what's next and what's next and what's next. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. To live in the kingdom is to live now, not in the what's next. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have a plan. It doesn't mean that part of today is to, is to think about tomorrow. But it means live now. Live fully. To live in the kingdom is to live in the now. It's to receive life like this with an open hand rather than this, with two fists grasping for the wind. Time. Tribe. Tribe. Your people, right? The people around you. There is a, uh, there's a fellow named Dunbar who's a studies sociology and and, and, and there's, a, there's a marker called Dunbar's number. And Dunbar's number stands for the, the, the people that you've probably heard the, the, the number 150. Those are the, those are the people that most people, that's the number of people that most people can know, can have a relationship with in a stable, sort of a stable, continuous way. Dunbar's number is 150. It's 100, 150, 200 people. It's the idea that there is, there is a certain tribe that we have. There's a, there, there are people uh, to whom we are responsible and for whom we are responsible. The, the stable people in our lives, the people that we're vested in. And so the question for you, so the first question about time was now or what's next. The, the next question for tribe is, are, are you accessible to your people? Are you growing deep with a few and wide with many? Are you growing deep with a few and wide with many? You see, what, 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 what the scripture says here is that, is that we are called to live in a kingdom. And that part of what that means is, is that we need to, to be accessible in a deep way to a few. Deeper and deeper. To know and to be known. And the more that, that, that you can be accessible, really, are you really there in the conversation? Are you, are you really there at night? When, when, when the screen is on, are you really multitasking? Are you really paying attention? Are you accessible, really there with the people that need? When you go grow deeper, then you're going to be more accessible widely to the people who need you. You see? Not just deep, but also wide. Think of, think of a marriage. Maybe you think that little, that little lie is not that big a deal. Maybe you think that little unresolved thing, that little bit of resentment is not that big a deal. But that little wedge over a long period of time can create great distance. And a lot of times what, what people think is, well, the kids, they, they hold us together. And you know our pattern, our routine, that holds us together. But after some distance, when the kids are grown and gone, you can find yourselves cold to each other unless you invest. Unless you invest, you have to invest. You have to be there. You have to be accessible. 
I, I'm amazed that there's a movement in California right now to become a country. Have you heard of this? That there are people, I know, I know. I'm going to say it. The land of anything that's not a fruit or a nut is a flake, right? So California, you people from California, you know what I'm talking about. They want to become their own country. And you think, well, okay, that's no big deal. I mean, just let them do that thing. I mean, they're all sort of functioning that way anyway. But, but look at how fragmented we're becoming. Look at how fragmented. Because we're not in this pattern of, of valuing, king, valuing people according to kingdom values. See, what's happening in California is happening all over the country, and that is I make my own meaning, right? I construct my own meaning. I'm responsible to create what's meaningful to me, rather than, than owning a set of shared values that are conveyed from generation to generation to generation. And why are they conveyed from generation to generation? Because they worked. They've worked over a series of centuries and cultures and ages and millennia. And within the last 10 years, we have just simply pitched dozens of those. The incredible arrogance of that is unfathomable to me because we happen to be walking around right now. We know more than everybody who came before us. C.S. Lewis calls it chronological snobbery, right? Those people who walked around here 100 years ago, they were idiots. They didn't know anything, right? Those people who, who... who built civil, the Roman civilization, they were just, they, they, didn't, they didn't have an iPhone. I mean, the, give me a break, right? Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? How do we value each other? Do we know how to value ourselves? Do we know how to value each other aright? Do we really know? Do you think we can just make it up generation to generation? You think you can just go off into a corner and figure out what really values a person and the people around you? It's to be present. It's to be part of something bigger than you. It's to be accessible to the people around you that need you. It's to go deep with a few and wide with the needy. We're called to a common life together, in other words. And we cannot, we cannot, we cannot make this up as we go along. We have to receive it in order to value each other aright. Time, tribe, temple. Now, what does temple stand for? You think, well, you picture a temple. The temple of the Holy Spirit is you. It's you. Now, I, I know this is a little, uh, it, it, kind of a, a fuzzy word, but the idea of soul care or self-care is important. It's important that you brush your teeth, right? It's important that you, you feed and clothe yourself. It's important that you, that you get a little exercise. And, and a lot of times we think of that as selfish. You, you, you think of the, the, it's become sort of cliche now, but the, that, that image of uh, when you're on uh, the, 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 the air, the flight, and, and the, the person comes on, and the, 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 the um, uh, flight attendant, thank you, I didn't want to say stewardess, but I said it anyway, flight attendant comes on, and, and, 
And the flight attendant says, in case of a loss of cabin pressure, right, the, the mask will come down, you pull it down and extend it full, and we all can, we all can ex- recite it for him or her now, and, and, and you put your mask on first before you assist somebody with you if they need assistance, right? You've, you've seen that image. You, you can picture that image and you think, really? Isn't that selfish? Well, what good are you to anybody around you if you're dead, okay? What good are you to the people around you if you cannot breathe, right? Some of you, the most spiritual thing that you can do out of this whole sermon, the most spiritual thing that you can do today is tonight to go to bed an hour earlier and get a good night's sleep. The most spiritual thing that you can do. Some of you, the most spiritual thing that you can do is to go on a walk with somebody after dinner and to develop a priority, a pattern of putting first things first. A lot of times we think, well, I'm not going to assist. My, my, I'm not going to put my, my own mask on first. I'm going to assist the person next to me. Pride. Pride, right? Oh, no, I, not me. I don't have any needs. Of course you do. And the more that you admit what those needs really are, the more that you're going to be equipped and empowered to help people around you. So self-care is important. Verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you something. And so this this part of Jesus' sermon, he's saying, he's not saying don't think about yourself, don't, don't worry about yourself at all. He's saying God values Even the grass of the field. He knows that you need these things. Don't grasp at more and more and more. Receive life this way so that you can can take a deep breath and be at peace and be available to the people around you. That's what self-care is all about. That's what soul care is all about. That's what going to bed on time, getting a little exercise, right? Right? Cutting out, you know, that extra, you know, bit of whatever you're drinking. That you know, I mean, you know, there, there's there's two there's excess all over. Whatever you're addicted to, every I mean, we keep inventing new ways to be addicted to things, right? Caring for yourself is a matter of being able to receive life like this and not anxiously grasping for the wind. Romans 12 says it this way. It says, says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Why? Because there's there's no part of you that's not body. So, well, what about my spirit, my soul? Yeah, the body contains all of that, right? And so when, when, when Paul is saying, offer yourself as a living sacrifice, he's saying all of you, every part of you, even the fleshy part of you, take care of yourself because you're a steward of, of, of what God has given you, including your body. And, and, and so the question for you, if this is the one that's sort of ringing the bell for you, the question for you is, are you going to take care of, of yourself or that thing today or tomorrow? Why do I ask that question? Because when it comes to caring for yourself or dealing with that issue that you're dealing with or somebody's sort of whispered it in your ear and says, you know, I think you really need to deal with this thing, you know? Tomorrow never comes when it comes to dealing with yourself.
You have to do it today. What are you going to do, not tomorrow, today, to deal with that thing that you know, you know you need to deal with? Treasure. Now, this is where everybody shuts down. All right, forget it. (laughs) I'm going to skip this part of the sermon, and then I'll get to talent and all the rest of it. I understand this. I understand this. Because the bills come to my house, too. They do. And it's not like, oh, dear Pastor Tim, we just hope you'll pay it this month. (laughs) But we understand. I am a fellow steward with you. And, and I have, you know, appetites here, and I've got resources here, and, and just like you. And so I, I feel it that way. And I, I, think, of that, I think of that commercial uh, of the guy who's riding on the, he's, he's on the riding mower, and he says, you know, I've got this beautiful home and three gorgeous kids. I'm even a member of the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. You remember that commercial, right? Some of you are spending money you don't have, right? To buy things you don't need, to impress people you don't even like. Debt. Debt. I say the word debt, and some of you just start, the hair starts standing up on the back. I understand that. What does it take to put first things first in terms of the resources that that we have been entrusted with? What does it look like? Well, let me tell you a quick story about that. Uh, when, I was in, when I was in Houston, I had a mentor in, in growing tomatoes. His name was Dennis Samoska. And uh, he, he was almost as good as Alan Cohn at growing tomatoes. I don't know if you don't know Alan Cohn, but Alan's like, he's like a farmer in his backyard. It's incredible. Like, but but so, so Dennis Samoska is teaching me how to grow tomatoes. And he says, you know, so this is an early girl. And this is a better boy. And so I'm watching these things, and every day I'm coming home, and I'm looking. And I kind of forget about it, right? And it's, it's being watered by the lawn, you know, the sprinkler on the lawn. So I'm just kind of And then one day I drive up, and there is the early girl, this big, beautiful red tomato. And my first thought, I promise you, every now and then I have these, these, these graced moments, right? By accident, my first thought was, that's Dennis's tomato. Dennis Samoska, my mentor in tomato growing, right? That's Dennis's tomato. You see, I saw his investment in me. And I, I, wanted, I wanted to thank him. And in that just split-second moment, there was something pure about that, that, that gift of that tomato, just to say. And, and see, that's what God wants for us. He wants us to live in a place where we have just such gratitude for what he's given us that the giving that we do, the giving that we do, is just, it's like, it's an outward expression of something going on in us that's really good. That's why the Bible says first fruits, your first fruits, not your leftovers. You see, when we give our leftovers, it's like we're not really invested. It doesn't matter. We didn't need that, right? But when we give our first fruits, that means we give right off the top, yeah, it's the first check you write. It's the first part of your budget. It's like, you know, I've got all of these things. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. This one is going, this one's going to Dennis. This is that early girl tomato, the first fruit, right? It says, I'm invested. You've invested in me. I'm investing in the kingdom 
of God. It, it, because when we invest our leftovers, we're not investing ourselves. Think, think of that picture of me seeing that, that tomato. I'm thinking, that's me. I'm giving, I'm giving, I really am giving a sense of my own self back to, to Dennis saying, thank you. This, it, this is so much fun. It worked. It actually grew. Right? First fruits are a way to really give yourself. Verse 28. Why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? To be able to receive life, to say, I have so much peace and confidence that God really is in control of my life. Not me. Him. Talent, finally, talent. Are you building a kingdom or are you building an empire? Are you living a kingdom life or are you living an empire building existence? I want to cap this off because I think this speaks to every other point of, of time of temple, of tribe, treasure, and now talent. Where are you really investing your life, your heart? Where are you, you giving your life energy? Where are you, are you, and, and is, it, is it like this? Are you giving in such a way that, that you know that, that God is going to provide for you? Or are you giving in such a way that's like, are you giving of yourself, that is? Are you investing your passions, your energy, your talents? Is it lined up with kingdom values or are you just simply building an empire? Let me tell you a story that illustrates. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Butcher, baker, candlestick maker. doesn't matter what you do with your life. You can be a kingdom builder or an empire builder. There's a woman named Julia Lake uh, Kellersberger and... Um, John Gerstner tells this story. This is one of um, Tim Keller's mentors. John Gerstner tells this story in a, in a sermon many years ago uh, uh, called um, Living Sacrifice. And in this servant, sermon, he tells this story about, uh, about Julia Lake Kellersberger, who at age 15 wanted to be a hero. She wanted to live a heroic life. She wanted to live in a way that wasn't just sort of, you know, ho-hum. She wanted to live in a way that wasn't just standard. She wanted to live in a way that, that, that really just, as, as Steve Jobs said, put a ding in the universe, right? She wanted to live that kind of life. And she said, God, I'm giving my life over to you, the whole thing. And so she went to, 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 to school. She went to college, and, and she, she learned more about what it would look like to be somebody who could travel anywhere in the world and do almost anything. She, she wanted to be open to whatever God was doing in her life. And, and she realized that if she wanted to do something like go to China, and if she wanted to set up a medical clinic there, do something really heroic and amazing, that she had to have a husband. 
Because in that day and age, this was in the 1920s and 30s, in that day and age, women did not go and travel around the world by themselves uh, you know, for cultural reasons and, and just for security and that sort of thing. And so she said, Lord, uh, I, I'm going to do anything with my life and I'm going to go anywhere, but there's one thing I'm going to ask of you. Just one thing I'm going to ask of you. You've got to find me a husband, right? And so at the end of college, there she is. She's looking at, 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 at her, her degree and there's no, there's no boyfriend, there's no, there's no husband, and she goes to graduate school and she starts doing language training and all kinds of different things so she can, she can be ready for anything. And, and then she's nearing the, the, the end of that and, and the night before she's to graduate with her master's degree, she's got no boyfriend, she's got no husband. And she, she says, she, she sat down in her dorm room, a disillusioned and angry person. And she realized for the first time, that even though she was aimed at doing heroic things, that she had put conditions on her life. And she said, Lord, I'm going to do something great. I'm going to put a ding in the universe. I'm going to do amazing things, and you're going to help me, right? You're going to bless me, right? I've got this plan, and you're going to bless this plan. And you think, well, well, it's in the name of even missionary service or, you know, or whatever it is. I mean, you know, I'm going to go and translate the Bible even or something very religious, right? And you think, well, that must be of God. Absolutely not. Unless you're truly yielded to kingdom values. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We think we know what justice should look like in the world, but a lot of times we're serving ourselves. We're giving ourselves for ourselves. We're just wanting to live a heroic life. We're, we're, it's really about me, right? Even if I'm doing the most amazing thing and most seemingly outwardly selfless thing, it's about me. Here's how, here's how it's put in the message by Eugene Peterson caps off this whole passage, verse 34. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, how we thank you for this picture of the kingdom and pray that as we pray things like, Lord, thy kingdom come, we would know exactly what it means to live that way, to live so that more of your kingdom is, is right around us in our time, in the tribe, in the temple, with our treasure and through our talents.